Go ahead and be seated. Uh, good morning and welcome to Alpine Church. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here, and uh, we're just so honored to have you with us here today at our Layton campus. If you're watching online, uh, super excited to have you here with us too, as we are in week two of our series called The Jesus Way. And really, uh, kind of the purpose of this series is to uh, just listen to the teaching of Jesus to find out really what it means to be a true, authentic follower of Jesus Christ, right? Many of us know uh, that Jesus uh, was an amazing teacher, right? He was an amazing communicator. In fact, he was the greatest teacher of all time. He was God himself. And and he had the ability to bring uh, the infinite wisdom and the infinite knowledge of God and make it accessible to us, right, to our finite minds, and he did this uh, in in many different ways, right, With, with sermons and parables and stories, but it's important that we understand that when we look at the teaching of Jesus, uh, what he was teaching wasn't just earthly feel-good stories. Uh, really what they are, are they are life-changing, life-transforming ideals and understanding of how we live to honor God. And so we thought that it would be a great time now to do a series called The Jesus Way. And so if your Bible's uh, with you, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 5. And where we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 5 is, is really the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry. And so he's teaching, uh, he's doing uh, what's called a discourse. And so he's starting one of five discourses. Really, it's kind of the greatest sermon of all time, like nugget after nugget after nugget of Jesus teaching. And so you can find all of that in the book of Matthew chapter 5. We're specifically honing in, uh, I'm sorry, through the book of Matthew, but we're specifically honing in on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, uh, as we jump into this, it's really important that we understand the culture of who Jesus is teaching, right? They were rooted in Judaism. Matthew is writing to a Jewish culture, and so they were very well rehearsed in Old Testament law, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. And so when Jesus is coming to teach them, they have a pretty good firm foundation on what uh, was taught in the Old Testament. But Jesus was coming to add a more robust understanding of the law and to accomplish it and to fulfill it. And so what we see in Matthew chapter 5 is not Jesus trying to change anything, but really to bring a fuller picture, right? If you remember last week in uh, verse 17, we read that Jesus said this, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. No, I have come to accomplish their purpose. And so I can only imagine that as he's teaching, people are saying, well, he's adding on to this. Well, yes, he was. He was making it more robust because he was God. And so what he was doing is he was pointing to a fuller picture of the purpose of the law. He said, I come to accomplish their purpose I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And so really what we're trying to do in this series, if you remember, we're we're seeing how the law, the Old Testament law, really points forward to the way of Jesus. And so what we see and read and hear, maybe in the Old Testament, is really a picture pointing to a fuller accomplishing purpose and a way of living that honors God. 
And so what we're going to see today, uh, last week we talked about uh, murder and anger, and today we're going to talk about radical purity. Now, before we jump in today, uh, I would want you to know that we're going to be talking about some things that are sexual in nature. Uh, the Bible is very clear about this, and so we're going we're gonna to take the next few minutes doing that. And so if you have children, uh, my kids are coming to the next service, and they're going to be in the service, but if you feel a little bit more comfortable maybe taking your kids to kids' church, if you're watching online, uh, we just want you to be aware that we're, we're going to talk about some things that are sexual in nature. Uh, so be, before we do that, why don't we pray together one more time? Would Jesus, God, we just take this moment and we say, God, would your spirit, would you speak to us? Would you make your word ever so clear to us? In this room, God, I just pray that as we read your words, that they would be life-changing. Your word is living, it's active, it penetrates our hearts and our minds and our thoughts even. God, would you do that today? Would you bring to the surface, Father, maybe things that, uh, that need to come to the surface so that you can work on our hearts God, let your word not return void today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the, the verse that we're going to be in today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, and it says this. Jesus says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I want to start off today by making something very, very clear. There is not a sin, uh, whether it's sexual or any sin for that matter, uh, that is too big for God. There is no relationship that is too broken. Uh, there is no circumstance or situation or thing that has been done that God isn't wanting to and desiring to forgive in your or my life. And so when we come into something like this and we look at what Jesus is teaching, we need to understand his heart. And Jesus' heart is for re forgiveness, restoration, renewal, making new. And so when we come to this, if we are struggling or we have been impacted in some way, shape, or form in a room of this size, many of us probably have been impacted by sexual sin, we need to understand that it's very serious, but God's desire is that we come into restoration, into renewal, into forgiveness. And so with that understanding in mind, uh, we're really going to try to dissect and to break apart what Jesus is saying in this verse. And so uh, with that, I think we have kind of three points. Uh, so if you're taking notes, the first point is this, is that adultery, adultery is really just the tip of the iceberg for lust. Adultery, the act of adultery, is really just at the very tip of something that is much deeper from within. Now, has anybody ever seen an iceberg, right? You look at the iceberg and you see that thing up top, which in itself is really, really big and, and amazing, right? But when we look underneath the surface, we see something that is maybe a hundred times bigger than what we actually see on top, I mean, it's just fascinating, right? Like what holds this tip of the iceberg altogether is something major in size. And I think that really gives us a good picture of this idea of adultery just being at the tip of the iceberg of something that is far bigger in the surface. You know, I think we, we come to this idea of adultery, and many of us would say, well, you know, that one I can check off the list. I really haven't done that. I'm okay, so let's move on, right? But, but what we don't understand is that it's more than just the act. 
And that is exactly what Jesus is, is trying to get his listeners to understand. You see, there's this idea of the sin or the commandment or the law that if you break this, it's grievous. But what I want you to understand is that it's much more than just the act itself. It's a, a series of events. It's something underneath, deep within the surface that has uh, maybe, maybe shown itself in adultery. You know, I think of, of this, uh, and it's very important that we understand that, that God created sex and intimacy, sex in the confines of marriage, uh, for, for our benefit. I mean, I think it's very important that we don't shy away from the subject to know that God wired us to be intimate, relational beings, right? All we have to do is look at the very beginning when God created uh, humankind, when, when God created Adam and Eve, remember what he said to them? He said, listen, I'm blessing you. God blessed them. Blessing is a very, very good thing from God. He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. So God is saying that I'm giving you this as a gift, as a blessing, and it's very important because I'm going to use that vehicle to populate the world. I mean, this is a God that is saying this is a very, very good thing in the confines of marriage. Jesus himself taught this. And you remember in Matthew chapter 19, he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. It's very important that we understand that this, the, the way that our culture views sexuality is, oh, it's just, it's free, it's easy, do whatever you want. But what we need to understand, it's a very powerful, intimate thing that God uses to unite man and woman together. And so when we live in a culture that just says, do whatever you want, whatever feels good, do it, I'm just kind of go with the flow, we're missing out on the purpose that God had created it to be. You see, what happened is, is sin enters the world and destroys everything. Right, Even a perfect relationship, sin, enters the world, and the Bible says then everything is destroyed. And so what happens is this, is when sin enters the world, it takes a good God-given gift and distorts it drastically. And so we begin to use sexuality or sex for our personal pleasure. We begin to view people as objects and not understand that it's to, to unify two people Altogether. And you know, I think what happens is, is much like the enemy did in Genesis chapter 2 when he came in to destroy relationship, he does the same thing for us when it comes to our view of sexuality. And this starts at a very, very young age. Uh, one of my sons, uh, he was eight years old. And, and we have this thing called, you know, phones. And it's like instant access to the internet, right? We know how that works. And there was this game that he was playing. It was called Would You Rather. And I don't know if you have kids, uh, but it's like, would you rather uh, wear this or have this? And you would click on it and it would take you to another screen that said, would you rather? And it goes on and on and on. And what happened is every little click led him further down the internet to where he was eventually, as an eight-year-old, exposed to full-blown pornography, my, my mother-in-law my mother had the phone, and she opened it up, and there it was. And so I'm left as a father to, to now have this conversation with my eight-year-old son. And it was very difficult. And let me just tell you something, and, and let us understand this, that the enemy knows that, that sex within the confines of marriage is a good thing, and he's going to do everything that he can to distort that, and he starts at a very, very young age. 
And right now, where we're at in our culture, in our society, and what we have access to, every time we scroll through a TikTok, every time we receive a Snapchat, every time we go on Instagram, that is one opportunity for the enemy to distort what God has created to be perfect. And it's not just in sexual immorality. It's in a lot of different things. But, but here's what's so alarming. Our culture has made this okay. Did you know that pornography is a $97 billion industry? A year. <laughs> That's a lot of money, friends. 30% of the internet, 30% of the vast, amazing thing we call the internet, internet is full and exposed of pornography. 90%, 90% of teenage boys under the age of 18, and 60% of teenage girls, this isn't just a man thing, this is also a female thing too, have all been exposed to pornography on the internet. And what does pornography do? It takes a really, really good thing, and it distorts it, and the enemy knows that, and he's doing whatever he can to destroy us, to capture us. And this leads to things like addiction, things like, uh, you know, brokenness in marriages. It leads to adultery. It leads to all kinds of things. And so when we look at this commandment, we need to understand that it's not just the act of adultery. It's really the enemy doing whatever he can under the surface to destroy our view on what God has made so sacred and so special. And so when we begin to understand that, we begin to understand that there is this battle going on, that there is an enemy who is at work and he's doing whatever he can, we then can say, okay, I understand that. Now, how do I protect myself from the ways of the world? How do I protect myself from sexual immorality or sexual sin? And I think that really leads us to our next point, and it's this. It's that understanding that sexual sin really gives us There we go. Sexual sin follows a predictable pattern. Here's how sexual sin works. It starts with our eyes, it leads to our heart, and eventually it develops into action. And now, listen, what I want us to understand that this isn't just about sexual sin. This is just about really any sin, if you know what I mean. Uh, Once a year, usually, um, I begin to realize that I'm not really treating my body very well, like I'm not eating very well, and so I'll go on a diet. So I diet about once a year. And and when I do diet, isn't it crazy that when you change the way you eat or the way you change the way you act, you begin to see a lot of food things on on TV? Can I get a name? Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like every food thing is just popping up, right? And here's what happens. Oh my gosh, I see that infomercial. And you might be like me, it gets so bad that you watch the food channel for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But, but what happens is, is you see this infomercial and then you're driving and the next thing you know is you see Burger King, don't you? And then you see that Whopper and you think, oh, that flame broiled hamburger, right? Like, and then you start lusting after that hamburger and before you know it, you're in the driveway and you got a root beer and a large fry too, right? You know what I'm talking about. And here's what happens. What happens is we see something with our eyes, we're captured by it, it then becomes so enamored in our hearts that we want that thing and we will stop at nothing to get it. And isn't that true that it's just like that about, in about every single sin? And it's no different when it comes to sexual sin. Listen to what Jesus says. If, if we look here, he says, he starts with the eyes. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman 
with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is saying that our, our eyes lead us to sin. And, and isn't it so interesting that that's one of the ways that the enemy gets at us is by first through our eyes, through so many different things. And he, he captures us. And, and here, here is what Jesus was saying there. Protect yourself. Guard yourself. Eyes, heart, action. Guard yourself. You know, one way that I think that we do that is we, we put God's word on our hearts. How do we protect ourselves? Well, we put God's word on our hearts. Listen to what we read in Numbers chapter 15. The Lord was saying this to Moses. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for their hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. Now, I don't think many of us are going to put, you know, purple tassels but on, our, on our clothes. But what we can do is we can put the word of God on our hearts. What we can do is we can ingrain God's instruction, a life-giving word of God that can protect us. And when we do, we can then come to, to Scripture like Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, where it says, Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Right? Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Right? Protect yourself. Make better decisions, right? Be thinking about the ways of the world and how it can capture us and put the word of God on our heart. Even deeper in Job 31, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. And, and please listen, it's not just men that struggle with this. It's women too. But what we need to understand is that we can, can put God's word in our hearts and we can protect ourselves. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. We can, we can get to, into a mentoring, accountable relationship. You know, there's, there's things that we can do that can protect ourselves from things like the internet, from our friends, or whatever it might be. We can take actionable steps to protect ourselves, to protect our eyes, what we see. So we, we, we know that our eyes are affected. The next part of the pattern is our heart. Listen to what Jesus says, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Eyes lead to heart. You see, I think when temptation moves from our eyes to our hearts, we're really, really in trouble. And the reason why is because the heart is the most important part of who we are. And so if we allow things of this world, if we allow sin into our heart, the Bible says that we begin to, to, to die to sin. And so we need to understand when we come to, you know, again, Scripture like Proverbs 4.23, that says to guard our hearts above all else, for it determines the course of our life. Things that we see that lead into our heart, if we don't protect ourselves or we don't guard ourselves, we will be overcome by the way of the enemy. Super important that we know these things. Our eyes lead to our heart. Our heart leads to our actions. This is what Jesus says. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. James said it this way. James chapter 1 verse 15. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When sin 
is allowed to grow, it leads to death. When sexual sin is allowed to grow, when it moves from our eyes to our heart to actions, it always leads to death. It always leads to death. You see, when Jesus is teaching this, he's not just saying, hey, be careful. What he's saying is, listen, you need to understand that this, just like all sin, and it's not just sexual sin, it's sin in general, All sin leads to death and separation from me. But this is extremely important because if you don't guard your eyes and your heart and your actions, you will be led to death. Young person, I think this is so important. I talked to my my son. Both my sons are teenagers now. It's like, you guys, you need to understand that that it starts here and then it leads, always leads to death and to distortion and to difficulty in your life. So if you can understand that these are the things that are going to happen, you can prepare yourself, put the word of God on your heart, and trust that he will protect you. You see, the enemy will do everything that he can to get us to go away from the way of God, and that always leads to death. Death in relationship, death in yourself, death in your marriage. It leads to death. But here's the good news, friends. Jesus wants to break the pattern in our life. That's what Jesus is all about. You see, he's not here to just say, oh, you're stuck in that sin, good luck. Here's judgment and condemnation. No, what Jesus says is, listen, you're stuck there. I want to bring you out. I want to make you new. I want to restore your life. I want to restore your marriage. I want to fix what's broken in you. I want to lead you from death to life. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so maybe you're here today and you're ready to break the pattern. He's ready to do it for you. Leads into our last point today. So if when we begin to understand that that what Jesus is teaching and that it leads from eyes to heart to action, we then can learn how to overcome it. And here's what Jesus says. It's our final point. Jesus says to radically eliminate the threat. Radically eliminate the threat in our life. I worked at a golf course on the on the grounds crew for about 10 years, and uh, I absolutely love uh, I love working out, like, out in the yard, out in the lawn. I, I've, I have a, a yard that I just want it to be very green, and I want the stripes to be very perfect. Anybody here love your yard as much as I do? Okay, so we like to spend time out there, right? And we'll do whatever we can to make it look really good. And, and I just love, like, lasered stripe lines. I think in heaven I'm going to actually be, like, a groundskeeper, I think. And, and so I'll, I'll mow your lawn for free. Maybe, I don't know if it's, it's going to be free. But, but, but I, I really, truly love... My lawn, and here's what happened last year. I think God began to see that I had this really bad obsession with my lawn. Not quite idolatry, I wouldn't say, but 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 I think God was He was teaching me something because I got this disease in my yard. It's called necrotic ring. Has anybody ever heard of that? It, it really makes a beautiful yard look awful. <laughs> And I remember seeing this disease pop up, and I was like, oh, no, that's just a weed. We fine, pull out the weed. Well, then that thing became more, and pretty soon I had these circles all over my yard. And I tried just about everything. I tried fertilizer. I tried, you know, like less water, more water. I tried literally everything. And I was defeated because my yard looked like garbage, (laughs) And here's, here's uh, why is this important? Because here's what happened. The only thing that worked on my lawn is I had to rip out the entire lawn, that side of it, and restart over. 
I had to eliminate the disease for it to become healthy again. You see, here's what I want us to understand, and I think this is what Jesus is saying to us. If we have disease, we have to eliminate it, and the only way that we can eliminate it is to look to him. But he gives us this very, very graphic picture, and I want us to read this together in in verse 29. So after he just said, he talked about adultery, he then goes on to say this in verse 29. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. It says, and if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, Cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You see, what Jesus is doing here is he's doing something very radical. Now, I don't believe that he's, he's saying this literally, so please don't, don't go and hurt yourself. <laughs> but what I do want us to understand is he uses very vivid, real imagery because he wants us to understand how serious this is, that it's more important that we eliminate parts of our body in order to be made healthy. In order for us to eliminate sexual sin, he's saying that you should go to these extreme measures in your life. And so he paints this very real picture that in order for us to be made new or to be made right or to overcome sin, whether it's sexual in nature or not, we have to do things very drastically. So what does this mean in your life? Well, I think if you're struggling with it, it means get rid of the internet if you have to. It's confession. (laughs) It's getting someone in your life that can hold you accountable. There's just so many things that we can do to say, look, I've made this mistake. I want restoration. I want healing. And it first starts with giving it to God, the one who already knows everything about us as it is. But then it's saying, what are the next practical steps? What are the radical things that I need to do in my life to eliminate the threat of sin in my life? And it may mean that we have to give up things that we hold so dear to, but it's worth it because it's more important for for us to be forgiven and to, to spend eternity in the presence of God than to be caught up in our sin led to death. Jesus is ready. He's ready to forgive us, whatever it might be in this room today. You know, I, I, uh, my son wears this, this little bracelet. It's, it says WWJD. Anybody remember those bracelets? I, I think it's like this, there's just something about remembering the Jesus way. Like in everything that we do, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? You know, what would Jesus think? You know, and it doesn't have to be sexual sin. It can be any sin. God, God what... <clears throat> Is my life honoring to you? What would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? How would he respond in my marriage? How would he respond in forgiveness? How, how would Jesus do this? What would Jesus do? And that's my, my question for you. Are you living a life that says, listen, I want to honor God in everything that I do. I want to I live a life that honors him. I want to protect myself. I want to have ways, people in my life or standards in my life that will allow me not to be led into the path of death and destruction. Let's end with this, Colossians chapter three, verse one. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. 
Friends, wherever you're at in your life, wherever we are at in our life, maybe we feel distant from God, he is right there. And all we have to do is turn to him. And when we turn to him, he can do what he needs to do in us, forgive us, restore us, renew us. And then hopefully it shifts and changes the way we view life, the way we view sin, the way we view sexuality, the way we view the world, so that we can now live to honor him. We can point our, our, our minds and our eyes on the way of Jesus. If you want to do that today, I'd love to share with you how. I know Pastor John would love to share with you how simple it is to give him your life today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that even when we come to difficult scripture, passages in scripture, Lord, you're faithful and you're quick to forgive. God, your desire for us isn't to, to, to live in shame and fear, God, in, in, in condemnation or judgment, but instead, God, you want to give us forgiveness and hope. So, Lord, I just pray wherever, wherever we're at in our relationship with you, would you, we take the next step to make you the Lord of our lives? And would we focus on the things of this world, or of, of, this, of your kingdom and not of this world? We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.